From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpotts. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope this episode finds you doing well. As I put this particular episode out, it comes after a very trying week across the country in the wake of the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis that sparked outrage and a call to action to end police brutality and inequality. Here in Kentucky, we have seen protests in the name of Mr. Floyd and for the death of Breonna Taylor back in March in Louisville. Emotions have run high. There has been a lot of tension in a number of communities, but in the end, we are fighting for things that we just can't seem to get right in our world. We all deserve to live in a world where we are all equal. And just because our skin is a different color shouldn't mean we're treated any differently from the police or anyone. My heart breaks right now for so many, but I also understand that this conversation must continue. It must push for change, and it can't fade just because the headlines do. So to keep this conversation going, I wanted to talk with Divine Karama. He is a Lexington hip-hop artist, an activist, and a change maker. Through his music, his word, and his mentoring, he is putting positivity out in the world. He recently released some new music that is fitting for this time and this conversation. Uniquely Kentucky with Amber Philpot is brought to you by the WKYT News and Weather Apps, available on the App Store and Google Play. I am joined today on Uniquely Kentucky with Divine Karama. If you have watched WKYT uh, many times, you have seen Divine on our airwaves. He is a change maker. I'm going to call him all these things. He's a change maker. <laughs> he's an activist. He is a music artist. And I think he's just a pretty good guy. Divine, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Taking it, you know, considering taking it one day at a time, one day at a time. The world is really rough right now for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, here we are, we were in the middle, we are in the middle of this global pandemic. And, and now we, we have seen the protest and the call to action, which um, has been brought to light with everything with Mr. Floyd. You and I talked earlier this week for something else and, and you said something that really struck me. You said, you know, my reaction to it is I'm just tired. Talk to yeah. me about that. Sure. Um, you know, I think my exhaustion and even the exhaustion of family members and people from my community, um, you know, this is something that has really been going on for for generations, for decades, um, just the kind of systemic oppression um, kind of feeling on, you know, kind of feeling on the outside of of the American dream at times. And I think that, um, like you mentioned in the opening, coming off of this two and a half month quarantine as we're inching our way out of it. And then as soon as we start coming out of that, which has been really rough um, disproportionately to the black community, you know, we get a rash of, of senseless murders and other instances. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, I'm tired, you know, um, from personal tragic tragedy that I've had to deal with and, and just everything that's going on in the world. It's just, you know, it's easy to lose hope, but obviously, you know, being somebody who was glass half full, always trying to make things better and serve the community. Um, I know in the end we're going to come together, but right now it's just, you know, it's, it's hard. 
Divine, we have a lot to talk about, but what I want to do, I want to find a little bit, uh, found out a little bit more about you. Where does sure. your passion come from? Are you a Lexington guy born and raised? Like, like, how did you get here and how did you get to this moment in time where you really <laughs> uh, put yourself out there to really make a difference for other people? Sure. Um, born and raised um, in Lexington, Kentucky. Spent a couple stints away playing some professional baseball, minor league baseball for a few years. But outside of that, I've pretty much been right here in Lexington. Um, I can remember being four and five years old and my mom um, had me reading books on George Washington Carver and Martin Luther King. And she told me at a young age, she said, I, I don't know what you'll be, but I know whatever it is, I know you'll be great. She said, you know, you could be the first black president. You could do anything you want. So having that instilled in me at a young age, I've always been a person that's always strived for greatness. And then obviously hip hop music being my, my first passion and being a, a culture and an art form that was created to be a voice for the voiceless and created to uplift community. Um, you know, I got into hip hop music, which really helped me found, find my voice. And then a few years ago, I just realized that, you know, though I love hip hop, my true passion is serving community. So I just think finding my purpose, um, being a hip hop artist and just having a parent that really, really believed in me is something that pushed me to where I am today. Do you remember that moment, you know, in your adult life where you said, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, I remember, I think, I feel like the first hmm. story I saw is too, you were, you're doing your coat drive and then you did something else where you were, um, you were standing out kind of doing, I think it was rapping for like a certain amount yeah. of time. So when was that yeah. moment when you said, I'm just going to do this? Like, I want to put myself out there and I want to make a difference. I think the, the first time actually we'd have to go back to like maybe 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a friend of mine who was doing a AAU basketball team for some inner city kids in East End of Lexington. And anybody that knows anything about AAU sports, it's really expensive. And a lot of inner city kids don't get those opportunities to get looked at by colleges and getting some of those tournaments because they can't afford it. And he asked me to do one of my poetry hip hop nights to raise money. And when I did that, it, it really made me realize that, you know what, um, I love rapping about positive things, but really my calling is, is to do the things that I'm rapping about. And I think that's where I kind of took a turn in my life. And then obviously our first coat drive six years ago um, is when I really said, you know what, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm engaging youth in the community and serving people and giving back and trying to bring people together. Music is something that brings us together. And you use your music as a voice. Um, and hip hop to, to me is an art. Um, how do you yeah. use that? How do you put that out into the world? And where do you draw your inspiration from? Um, I think I draw my inspiration first and foremost, just from history. You know, and, you know one of my, my former teachers told me, you don't know where you're going until you know where you've been which ironically enough, I think is what's led to a lot of what we're seeing now. Um, you really got to go back in history, just see how hip hop was created, how it was started, but then also just the sacrifices my ancestors made in using their voices. So um, hip hop has just been an outlet and a platform for me to not only entertain, but inform. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of a socially awkward person. I'm quiet, you know, when I'm not on stage, I'm not doing things like this. So hip hop 
actually gave me a voice and helped me to find my purpose in life. Um, so if I can put my music out there, put my experiences out there through the lyrics, maybe I can uplift other people and maybe help other people find their purpose in life. And that's what it's all about to me when it comes to the music. I would never believe that you are a socially awkward guy. I promise I am. Yeah. Um, I promise. You know, Divine, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this podcast, you know, everything going on right now has been really hard on me. And I hate even saying that because, and I hate saying I'm never going to know how you feel, but I really, my heart goes out um, to a lot right. of different people. And I'm one of those people that I don't usually post a lot of things. I want to listen. I want to learn. And, sure. and I don't know how to help. And I think there are a lot of people like me who are so moved and um, get really emotional about it, but they just feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if it'll be the right thing. Can you help me with that? Yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's funny because I just kind of posted a video the other day on Facebook um, because I had so many, um, I call them my white brothers and sisters, you know, they, they reach out to me and they say, Hey, how can we play a part in the movement? You know, I don't want to overstep bounds. I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. And, you know, I just tell people the same thing. I tell my young people that I mentor is that, you know, we all just got to do what we are able to do, you know, not try to be somebody that we're not or do anything even outside of what our gifts are. Um, so, you know, I tell people to inform and educate themselves. Um, you know, a lot of the things we're seeing today isn't new. You know, we've seen a rash of instances and we've kind of seen this explosion in the last several weeks. But this is something that's been going on. We could trace all the way back to slavery and the residual impacts of systemic oppression and policies that are put in place and different things. And I think just educating ourselves on that. Um, but then also, and I even have to do this with myself, you know, you know, as a black man, I have to do this, checking um, unconscious biases at the door. You know, oftentimes, you know, when it comes to other cultures, um, you know, I'm not as well versed and I move in, in ignorant ways, not out of hatred, yeah. you know, um, but it's just, you know, these unconscious biases that we have. And I think maybe checking those um, I think having unco uncomfortable conversations, you'd be surprised how many people come to me and say, hey, when I was at the golf course this week or I was at church or I was chilling at my family's house, I just heard some of the most racist stuff. And it was just wow. Mm. And, and, you know, and I'm kind of like, you know, I, you know, I appreciate you telling me that. But what, what would mean even more is if you challenge um, some of those friends and some of those circles and you know, whether it's at the golf course or family gatherings and having some uncomfortable conversations, because as uncomfortable as it might be, um, that accountability and uncomfortableness can measure to some of the things I deal with on a daily basis, you know, as a black man in America. So um, I think those are things in, in supporting, you know, um, black businesses and minority businesses. I think those are all kind of common sense things that people can do that isn't overstepping but then also honestly and this is what i love about you is just having these conversations yeah. and i know sometimes it's tough you know a lot of people are afraid to reach out they think they'll get on my nerves but not at all like this is how we learn from each other and eventually you know once we get through the ceiling process we can come together you know, I, I appreciate that because I do. I mean, today, I, I think today has been a, a really heavy day for a lot of people because 
Um, yeah. George Floyd's memorial service was beautiful, but it was also real and it was to the point. And so for me, I'm sitting here and I'm, re I mean, I'm, I'm just emotional about it, but I just, I can't often put into words. So I appreciate you kind of walking me through that. And, you know, I, I realize I think now more than ever that there's a lot of underlying racism out there that sometimes we really yeah. overlook. It's, it's really easy to overlook it. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, what, I, I just give you a prime example. And, and again, I don't think all, um, you know, I don't think everything is based in hatred. A lot of times it's just ignorance. But there was a newscaster, I can't remember her name, but she was really rough on, I think it was LeBron James when he spoke. Um, he had a political take. And I think it had to do with Colin Kaepernick mm -hmm. and him kneeling, you know, for the anthem. And she basically told him, you know, you're an athlete, just shut up and dribble. You know, you we don't want to hear your political take. Um, and it kind of made national news. But then most recently, I think it's Drew Brees, the quarterback. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of his. Um, he kind of made some anti um, Colin Kaepernick statement saying, you know, I still don't support what Colin Kaepernick did. And then he gave his reason. And when they asked the same news reporter about it, she was just like, oh, well, you know, I mean, Colin Kaepernick's a, a smart guy. You know, it's okay for him to be an athlete and have an opinion. And it's that kind of disparity right. that we kind of, that, you know, and I don't even know if she truly sure. understood how divisive that was. Um, but it's those type of things, um, you know, that I think, um, you know, my white brothers and sisters can continue to just reflect and check um as we all do yeah you know as we all do oh, thank you I, that 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 means a lot to me uh i i needed to ask you that I've, I've needed to ask somebody that for a long time so thank you for that um, no problem no problem you um you have been um down at some of the protests i know you haven't you know been down there maybe necessarily every single night but what are you seeing does it does it give you hope, especially I've seen so many young people and a lot of the young people mm -hmm. are the ones that are kind of behind this, really pushing to be down there, using their voices. Um, what do you think about that? I love it. I think when you really do the research, obviously when we got this 24 hour news cycle that's on the mm -hmm. loop and obviously some of the most negative parts of the protesting are, are constantly glorified or not glorified, but just put in this 24 hour news cycle. But when you do the, the history um, on what protests do and the power that it has, I, it's remarkable. And I think the other day, you know, all 50 states protested the same mm -hmm. night and even some countries overseas. And like you said, in a lot of these states, like in Lexington, the last several nights, it's been led by young people. And I think that's why you're seeing some of these swifter decisions. I think you saw the police chief fired in Louisville um, when the body cams um, weren't on, um, when there was a shooting. You know, I think, you know, you, you saw these charges of these other three officers, you know, all seemingly come out of nowhere. And I honestly feel um, that these decisions are being made based off the pressure that is being presented by the protesters. So um, there is a strategy and an impact in protesting, but I think the other part of it is it has to be in concert with, with real organization right. on the ground and, and next step plans um, that has to be in place. 
something I saw this week and it, it really gave me hope. Uh, you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, we can all love one another and that, you know, hate is, is learned and it can oftentimes be taught to us. And, you know, downtown I saw um, the sweetest little African-American boys going up and hugging the officers. And then I saw, you know, a, a family, a white family there last night who had a little kid of their own, sweet little kid that's asking questions. She doesn't know how to answer them. So they just took them to the protest. And I thought, man, if those kids could meet each other and be right down there at that same protest, maybe our world is headed in the right direction. I know there's still a lot of change to be made. But, you know, when you yeah. think about those two, and I mean, they couldn't have been more than, I mean, I guess less than eight years old. It just really yeah. gave me hope. And I know that sometimes we put hope in, a, in a, a big hat, but that really gave me some hope. And and I think that, and you know what? You know, I was talking to a friend, a white buddy of mine, and we were talking about how he goes to a predominantly white church. I go to a black church. And we were talking how oftentimes the most segregated day of the week is Sundays. And we were yeah. just talking how we wish there could be a little bit more, um, you know, unity or intermingling between the black churches and, and predominantly white churches. But even within our community like Lexington, I think that there are things systemically that's in place that even though legally there isn't segregation, obviously, but when you talk about schools and you talk about churches, when you talk about neighborhoods, when you talk about sporting leagues, um, when you just talk about where people feel comfortable, there's this kind of bold line of division that that keeps um, opportunities like that happening. Because what would the world be like if, if you know, little black kids and, and little white kids could connect Absolutely. at an earlier age, you know, in more spaces. So that is definitely one of the things that I fight for and that I know a lot of people protest because of the end goal they want that. Sure. Um, we could talk about these issues all day long. Um, <laughs> yes. We may not have enough time. I don't know. 24 hours isn't a long time. What I do want to talk about also is some new music that you have out. Um, yes. You were supposed to drop an album. So this will, I'm going to put this out tomorrow. So um, if people are listening, you were supposed to drop the album on Friday, but you were really moved to go ahead and get it out into the world. And I love that you said you call yourself a dinosaur when you put out music in terms of an album yeah. and um, getting it out there. So talk to me about this new music. Where did the inspiration come from and, and why was now the right time to put it out? Sure. So I actually wrote the entire album while we were in the quarantine. Um, so I wrote it pretty quick, but obviously I had plenty of time. And originally the album was was just going to be about, um, you know, this global pandemic, living in this quarantine, how our lives will never be the same. I had, you know, two daughters that were getting ready to graduate high school and, and you know, wasn't going to get the opportunity to walk across the stage. But then also there was a rash of deaths in Lexington that was really hitting the community hard. You know, Councilman Jay Gibbs had passed. Anita Franklin, who was an activist, had passed. Um, Brittany Buchanan, who who was a, a you know responsible for the Big Jesus rallies at the Legend Stadium, she was an evangelist. So I was really just going to focus on just kind of death and just everything we were going through, but but still worshiping, still maintaining mm -hmm. the faith during the bad times. And then obviously, you know, my, my teenage daughter um, passed away Easter night. Um, she got in a car wreck, fatal car wreck, um, one of my daughters. And then, you know, we kind of pivoted into 
um, these, you know, the George Floyd situ situation, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, and then I, it kind of took a turn. Um, the music, and um, and we sat with it, and it's deep, it's heavy, it's layered, but at the end of the album is hope, and that's mm -hmm. one of the tracks I think that I sent you uh, yeah. come together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wanted this album to be raw and real. Um, but at the same token, I, anything I do, I want it to end with something positive and to give people a little hope. It's called Worshiping in the Wilderness. Where, where did yes. that title come from? So, you know, whether it is, um, you know, David and Judah, you know, in the Bible, whether it is, you know, Moses um, leading people to the promised land. When you talk about wilderness, it is, you know, this barren wasteland where nothing really grows. It's, it's darkness. There's no light, um, which kind of symbolizes maybe the low places that we are in life. Mm. Um, but in order to, to make it through that, we got to continue to maintain our faith and continue to worship in the wilderness. And right now, many of us are in a wilderness in our lives. I know I am personally, um, but you just got to maintain that faith and continue worshiping. And, and we're all going to make it out. And that's kind of what the album symbolizes. Sure. You lost your daughter on Easter night. And, and Divine, I know your faith and just your positivity. I mean, you, you have really been tested. So how, did, how do you find that strength to keep pushing for other things? Because you could certainly, um, I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to shut the door and say, nope, not today. Right, right. I think it just first and foremost, just just my faith in God, you know, um, you know, understanding the sacrifice that he made for us, the ultimate sacrifice, knowing that um, we're not going to understand everything, um, which is the true definition of faith, continuing to believe even when you don't understand. But then also, you know, the last three years going through a divorce, having to start over, being a single father. Um, you know, my dad passed away, you know, two years ago, lost his battle with cancer. Um, you know, so I've had some some trials and tribulations in the past that actually prepared me for this um, to be strong. But I promise you, I'm not strong every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I some days I physically can't move. You know, I, you know, I'm over stricken with grief. Um, but then other days I'm better and grief isn't linear. So it's a process. So I'm dealing with it. Um, but I want to want to help and still inspire others because other people will go through something like this. And I want to be a source of inspiration for them. Where do people find your music if they want to check you out? Yes, www.kingtucky.com. Um, they can find all of my music, all of my initiatives, different things I do in the community. But then also um, I'm on all streaming services. So if you just type in Divine Karama on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, um, iTunes, it should all pop up. So I'm pretty easy, pretty easy to find. I'm going to move away from the heavy conversation and I'm going to talk to you about two okay. things. So one, how do you feel as an artist about streaming? Is it made your life so much easier to get your music out there? It has, um, but I also think that, um, you know, it, it kind of hurts the bottom dollar mm. for the artist a little yeah. bit, you know, which is why I released this album It'll be on streaming services Monday, mm -hmm. um, but I did Bandcamp, um, which is a great platform um, where people can still purchase music and after they purchase it, they can stream it. And me being a little bit older artist, been around for a while, a lot of my fan base is still used to purchasing music, <laughs> right? Um, That's the dinosaur part, my, right? 
yes, that's the dinosaur part because a lot of my young fans, even my daughter's like, okay, dad, it's on Bandcamp, but when's it going to be on Spotify, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's you know, I, I think, but it's still great though because you can just be a- accessed in, in just other countries and all over the place and anybody can get it. So, you know, it's a, it's a gift and a curse, but I think it's more of a gift than anything. You say an old artist. I would say seasoned. That's a much better seasoned. term. Seasoned. I like season. that. I like that. Um, okay, so I'm a huge sports nut. So let's talk about. Yes. So let's talk about your minor league play. Yeah. Where? Yeah. When? Yes, I got drafted. Um, surprisingly drafted in 2001. I was the second to last draft pick of the entire draft. Wow. By the Cleveland by the Cleveland Indians. Um, I was actually trying to walk on and play basketball at UK. Um, I played a, a year junior college ball in Nashville at Aquinas Junior College, mm-hmm. came back home, um, was trying to play baseball and basketball at UK, ended up going to a workout at Georgetown College, and I was a left-hand pitcher, and I hit like 91 on the <laughs> radar. And um, the rest was history, so I ended up playing for three years, and then I hurt my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously being such a low draft pick and they, you know, I didn't sign for much. Um, I think the surgery would have costed way more than what I signed (laughs) for. So they just ended up cutting me and tried to work my way back, but, but was unable to. So, but it was a great experience. What, you know, sports for me in my life, sports have taught me so much. I think, you know, sports gave me the work ethic that I have and, um, being stubborn sometimes with things in athletics. What did, what did athletics teach you divine? You know, I was always the small guy. You know, I I grew late. Like, you know, a lot of my size actually came even after high school. So I think sports is where I kind of got my grit from. Um, My never give up attitude. Um, Sports also taught me when I played minor league ball, I kind of came up in the middle of the the steroid era. Mm -hmm. Um, So it taught me that, you know, everything's not going to be fair. You know, there's going to be some people that are going to cheat to get ahead. So it it forced me to make a decision on integrity. Um, And then also just being able to be um, multifaceted, um, you know, within my personality, you know, you know, being able to collaborate, you know, with other people for a common goal. So I'm a big sports person, too. So sports has definitely taught me a lot and I still revisit some of the lessons I learned in sports. Mm, absolutely. What's it been like for you as an artist not being able to, you know, now you have new music out and you want to be able to share it with the world in person. Um, yeah. You know, my heart goes out to so many. We have such a great music scene here in Lexington across the board um, and yeah. so many places for great live music. So what's that been like to be kind of shut away from all those folks and not be able to share your music? It's been tough, you know, that that is a therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, like you said, a driving force for um, just income, you know, as an artist. Um, I did get a couple opportunities to be a part of Cosmic Charlie's COVID cast yeah. before they shut down. Um, so that was pretty great. There was nobody in the venue, you know, but just kind of being on stage doing my thing. Um, I definitely miss it. it. It is real hard. But, you know, Lexington hasn't always been a great training ground for hip hop artists. Right. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm that's one thing I want to focus on as we come out of this this quarantine, how we can get the hip hop scene growing and more venue supporting local hip hop. Do you see people that want that? I mean, that they, they're like clamoring for that and they just don't know where to get started or what to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a hip hop 
showcase for about eight or nine years mm -hmm. at Al's Bar, and we were getting two, three hundred wow. people out every time we did it. And then, you know, I was kind of waiting for the next, you know, young cat to come and mm -hmm. kind of take it over and take the reins. Um, and nobody really, you know, came. And then obviously there are no really hip hop bars right. in Lexington. So um, somebody has to open their doors. So, you know, I, I think it's definitely an outlet that some of these young people need because hip hop is definitely the voice for the young people of all races. So um, they're definitely clamoring for it. It's just something that we're really gonna have to work towards make it happen. Divine, as we, you know, we don't know what is ahead of us. None, none of us know what the future holds, but you know, we, we're in this middle of this pandemic. We're in the middle of trying to figure out inequality when it comes to race. What is your hope that these last few weeks and maybe this next month or however long, what do you hope it brings? I hope it brings understanding. Um, I think that this is an opportunity. I think for the first time, this specific conversation on race isn't political. Mm. I think people of all political size, races, cultures are looking at this as right and wrong. And anytime politics is out of it, that's when a real conversation can happen. So I envision understanding the beginning process of healing in a conversation, a conversation that probably should have been had you know, 150 years ago, a real conversation. And I believe that, that we're, we're inching closer to having that real conversation so we can truly come together as a country um, the way that, that it was intended to be. Divine, I appreciate your time. I always appreciate your insight. Uh, we told people where to find your music. If they just want to keep up with you, how do they find you? Just find me on Facebook okay. or Instagram, Divine Karama, Divine with the E. D-E-V-I-N-E. -E. I'm pretty, pretty easy to find. And um, and I appreciate you um, always providing a platform to spread some of this positivity. And you don't know how much that means to me. And it's created more opportunities for me to do more work. So I appreciate you. We just got to keep talking. We got to keep having the conversation. We got to keep yep. loving each other, I think, yep. more importantly. But Divine, I appreciate your time. And uh, just thank you so much. No problem.